This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. So happy to be here today. Got plenty to talk about. Simone Biles out of the team competition and now out of the individual competition at the Olympics. I've got some thoughts on that uh, that I'll share with you here in just a little bit. Got another Twins loss um, that I will be uh, tentatively connecting some dots with as well. And I'll be joined in a little bit by Scott Gillespie, editor at the Star Tribune and a Packers, Badgers, Wisconsin sports fan. Had a really good conversation with him about Aaron Rodgers, about what comes next in Green Bay now that Aaron Rodgers is back and just kind of Wisconsin sports in general. Good, good back and forth with Scott. I've, I've you know, uh, he and I, when, you know, in normal times, quote unquote, um, would, would chat quite a bit in the office. Haven't seen him as much lately, but uh, hoping to resume some more of our uh, impromptu uh, Vikings, Packers, Badgers, Gophers chats uh, one of these days. But uh, for now, a nice substitute was a, a segment on this podcast talking about Aaron Rodgers coming back to Green Bay and plenty of other good things like that. And, um, Got, got some wild free agency stuff to get to because free agency for the NHL begins on Wednesday. But first, like I mentioned at the outset, what did I miss? Big story, obviously, Simone Biles, you know, the USA gymnast, the, you know, one of the world's greatest gymnasts of all time. Pulling out of the team competition, the USA loses to uh, to the Russian squad and uh, now is out of the individual uh, all-around competition as well that is set to take place on Thursday. A lot of hot takes out there, a lot of uh, people kind of chiming in on what she should have done, what she shouldn't do, what she should do, things like that. I thought our, our Jim Suhan had a really good column about this in the uh, in Wednesday's paper in StartGP.com. I think you should go take a look at that, if you will. Um, I'm probably going to echo some of his sentiments here, but basically I would sum things up like this with Simone Biles and anybody, really, any athlete. Um, I feel like we're in an era now where you know athletes are you know, being uh, being more honest, being being able to be more open about their their mental health, being able to be honest about you know the pressure that is on them and the toll it takes, and they're not just you know not just persevering and pushing through it and shoving that to the side. And I think that's ultimately a healthy thing. It might be hard to understand in the moment when an athlete is so great and has trained for so long to be in this moment, but you know, for Simone Biles, let's not re- let's let's remember she is the face of this sport. She is the face of this Olympics to a certain degree. That is an immense amount of pressure. She is a sexual abuse survivor. She is, you know, oh, by the way, trained through a pandemic and is now being asked to compete in these very strange Olympics. You know, I think, you know, some of the sports we've seen lately here in the United States feel like they've gotten somewhat more back to normal. You're seeing full stadiums. You're seeing capacity. These Tokyo Olympics are kind of a a reminder of kind of what sports felt like nine months ago here in the United States um, for good reason. You know, the, the virus is still, you know, not contained anywhere, but certainly uh, less so in Japan than it is in the United States right now. So it's just a very strange time in this kind of stew of all these things going on. We have no idea how this is impacting athletes. We have no idea what is going on personally for Simone Biles right at this moment. So I think at this point, you just have to have a certain amount of empathy, give her a certain amount of grace, and just say, you know what, if that's how you feel, if you don't feel you can compete right now because, you know, A, you're not in the right headspace, and B, if you're not in the right headspace in a sport like gymnastics, you could put yourself in physical danger by competing. 
Um, I think you just have to support that. You have to support the athlete. You have to understand that they are going to make the best decision for themselves possible. And that's that's just kind of how I would leave that thought. That you know anything you think about Simone Biles, think about it. You know maybe two or three times before you say something recalibrate your thinking from what you might have thought about 20 years ago where you just kind of thought athletes were inhuman, where they should just push through everything and separate off the field and on the field and give her some grace here because she's obviously going through a lot of stuff right now. Distantly related to that, but somewhat related to that still, I think, the Twins lose in spectacular fashion. Um, 6-5 extra innings on uh, on Tuesday night. They had a 5-1 lead going into the final, uh, going into the ninth inning. Hansel Robles gives up a grand slam. They end up losing in extra innings. Just another one of those gut punch games, even though it doesn't really matter in the standings anymore. Um, the reason I bring this up in, you know, again, in very distant relation to Simone Biles is I feel like the Twins this season have kind of had a little cumulative effect of everything that has gone wrong. And you see a team that is just not maybe in the proper headspace. Again, Simone Biles dealing with so much more than a lot of these Twins players are. I'm not trying to draw a direct parallel, but if you talk about the Twins at the start of the year and the tone that was set and, you know, just dealing with, the again, dealing with the COVID pause, dealing with the death of Mike Bell at the start of the season, dealing with all sorts of, you know, again, the season started in the midst of the pandemic still when it was still in a much different spot than even we are right now. I guess the the parallel or the the connection I would make is that we don't know what that toll had on players. We don't know how that contributed to a 14 and 28 start to this season that is ultimately defined this year and has made them, you know, expect probably in a lot of cases to lose instead of to win. And, you know, in baseball, you don't just cancel the season because you don't, you know, you're not in the right headspace. You've got to, you, you know, you ultimately do play through 162 games no matter what. And whether that's fair or not is, is for, is for, is for debate. But I think you can see signs of this Twins team, not to make an excuse because every team has to go through something. You can see signs of this Twins team just being completely fatigued and being, you know, in, in a certain, uh, in a certain way right now that, uh, that just doesn't, uh, doesn't have the right, uh, the right frame of mind to win all season long. So that's what I'd say about these Twins. It was another spectacular loss for them uh, on uh, on Tuesday night. Looked like they were going to cruise to a win. Looked like Kent and Maeda was going to follow up uh, being the uh, you know winning run on Monday and the winning pitcher on Tuesday, which would have been pretty cool. Turns out that didn't happen. But, uh, you know, again, just every time you think about an athlete, every time you think about a team and you're disappointed in their performance, think about what's going on in their personal lives and their private lives and have a little bit of empathy. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Really excited to be joined on Daily Delivery today by Scott Gillespie, um, editor at the Star Tribune, big time Wisconsin sports fan, Packers fan, Badgers fan. I miss our little desk chats that we would normally have. We haven't really had those in the last 18 months or so. Uh, Scott, you're also my birthday twin, or maybe I'm your birthday twin. Uh, I think we've discovered that over the years, so um, happy birthday in about three months, uh, to, to both of us, but that's not what I had you on. I don't want to talk birthdays. I want to talk about 
uh, Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. That's why I have you on today. Aaron Rodgers back. Um, what, something, uh, something has happened. Something happened, Michael. What happened? Something actually happened. He came back. Yeah, he, uh, he blinked. In my estimation, oh, he he blinked. He, he did. was uh, he was uh, he seemed like he was determined. Um, that this was not some uh, you know, elaborate ruse. I don't think because uh, you've made a lot of people angry in the process. If that was if that was the thing, but. I'm a, I'm, I guess I'm not all that surprised in the end because he's a 37 year old MVP. And if he can only play one place this year, um, maybe he kind of had to do it. But that said, what, what, what was your reaction when, you know, the planes in the air yesterday and it sounds like, uh, my planes in the air Monday, sorry. And then you, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like he's on his way back. Well, I thought the last dance tweet was really the, the, the clue to us that this was uh, happening this week. But I agree with you. I think it was pretty much uh, expected by those of us who looked at the contract terms. He had three years left. If he retired, he had to give him back 36 or so million bucks. And that's, uh, you know, that's real money even for Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, I'd like to see the terms of this deal. Uh, that they're finalizing. It's interesting that we don't know whether or not he got a pay increase. Um, there are reasons, PR reasons, why he would probably not want that to be out there if he is indeed getting one. And um, in fact, the message seems to be that he made some sort of adjustment to help the team with its cap, not that he got a, a raise. But I find that hard to believe. I got to believe he, he got some extra guaranteed money in all of this. And then he gets the uh, ability to get out of the contract uh, a little bit earlier, maybe, uh, you know, parting of the ways with a little more control uh, possibly at uh, after next, after this coming season. So I'm not shocked. Were you, how are you feeling as a Packers fan? Were, were you pro Rogers during all this were you pro team or how, how are you because I had some I have some friends who were Packers fans that were done with Aaron Rodgers basically they were like I'm I I've, I've moved on it's time for Jordan Love like they thought this was real that he was done and that they were just upset that he was drawing this out so far and they they didn't really they at least they claim they didn't care if he left or if he stayed how what was your mindset through this I think that's how they were coping be honest with you. I mean, there's a part of me that the part of me that wanted to do that, but um, you know, they're they've extended their cap all the way. They've got a lot of talent on that roster. Uh, two two NFC championships in a row. I like the last dance possibility. You know, I want to see that. That's great theater. That's great TV. That's great for fans. For you know, and and I want them to be in the hunt. And I don't think they're in the hunt with Jordan Love playing quarterback. The kid, you know, he hasn't started a game yet. He hasn't played a preseason game yet. Right. So, um, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I wanted him to come back. I, I, I do wonder if this is part of what we're going to see more of in the NFL with quarterbacks being more like the, the NBA superstars and trying to exert more control. Um, a little harder, I think, in the NFL than it is in the NBA. But, but you know, Brady seems to have the kind of say down in Tampa that Rogers wants in green Bay. Um, so, you know, are we going to see more of that in the future with the superstar quarterbacks maybe? And, and that kind of bugged me. Uh, 
he he can you know and then the just the leaks you know it's so obvious that he he really was controlling the messaging he's really good at it and um the timing breaking it on draft day and then this timing too of of leaking that he's going to come back during the actual shareholders meeting in green <laughs> bay i mean he's he's a master he's the best at uh at handling the media and uh, i i i I want to see him do it one more time. Um, I uh, I think some of the Packer fans are frustrated with his inability to get him over the hump, uh, particularly last year. I think they were set up, and they had him at home, had a, a southern team in cold weather, and had the ball in his hands. Of course, then they took it out of his hands and kicked yeah. the damn field goal. But <laughs> I was you know, I was I wasn't even going to bring that up, but then you brought it up. Yeah. So. But if you talk to you know, when I talk to my friends who are just diehards who watch the film and um you know they're still ticked off at him for not running on was yeah. that second down or third down i think it was third down and and there's always been a far rogers thing yes. too there's the there's a divide in the state over him over Favre and rogers very different personalities different leadership styles um different backgrounds and um you know there's some <laughs> you know there's some people who just uh are always gonna gonna wish that Farb was there, even though, in my opinion, Rodgers is a much better quarterback. I think I agree. I think as good as Farb was, and as you know, as many you know, whatever it was that Farb brought to the field when he got hot, it was kind of you know, it was it was, it was unstoppable. But Rodgers definitely, you know, that maybe the the more talent and the the steadier of the quarterbacks, even though he's capable of of making the spectacular play, certainly as well. Um, the one question I have now going forward is, is there a concern then about, you know, spillover effect? I know he's, he's back now. Um, you know, I'm sure all of his teammates more or less have his back because they're kind of about, you know, the player, the money, things like that. But, you know, when there's a tension that can work in one of two ways, it can kind of, you know, motivate, it can push a team forward. And, you know, it's just, they kind of put everything behind him. It's just like, okay, we got one shot left. Let's go do this on the field. Or it can kind of linger and, you know, whatever, whatever existed there. And let's be honest, he hasn't played a lot of football for a while either. Not that he probably needs to, um, but is that a concern? Do you think for the Packers that even though they've patched this up for a year, can it just kind of go back to where they left off, you know, right before halftime of the NFC championship game, basically. I wonder about that too. Um, you know, they, they have played in two consecutive NFC championship yes. games. Last year was kind of a – the schedule broke well last year until the Bakhtiari injury at the end of the season. They were sort of injury-free, the key players. Um, you know, that tends to catch up with you in the league. And uh, what are the odds that they, they, they actually do get to the third straight NFC championship game? They're not particularly good odds, I wouldn't think. I haven't looked at it myself. So – a lot of reasons why this could go south. Um, I don't know how much of it would would be pinned on the drama of this offseason, though. And so, you know, like, because there is this management versus player thing, so I think they're going to side with him. I think there were a lot of people ticked off with how this went down this offseason. So, um, they'll, you know, but then again, he sets a, he loves to have these uh, challenges and these you know, this chip on his shoulder thing. And he's got another one now in a way. Right. And I think he'd love nothing better. He'd love nothing better than to 
win a championship and, and, and say to the Packers, okay, now what, now what are you going to do? Right. right. <laughs> what are you going to do with me now? And, uh, and I got more control now because the contract terms were changed. You make good about points about um, Rogers and, and, you know, the, the future, I guess is interesting now too, because are you, are you based on how this is structured now? What, what's the likelihood in your mind that this is the last season for him here? I think it's, I think it's fairly likely. I would be not surprised a bit if on draft day 2022, yep. they make a deal. Um, and, and I got to say, I mean, you know, if some of these possible trade scenarios that people have thrown around this offseason are legit, and if they're still legit in, you know, 2022 draft day, um, you know, a couple number ones and a player two, uh, yeah. Um, for a 38 year old at the time, um, boy, that, that looks pretty good as opposed to, you know, maybe letting him walk, uh, you know, another year later. Now I do think if they, if they make a run, if they win the chance, if they win the Super Bowl, that makes it, you know, that might, that probably tougher on the franchise to make that choice, but if they don't, or if he gets hurt or, you know, yeah, sure. Of course, if he gets hurt, if he gets hurt, then the the, the deal value goes down, obviously. Yeah. But uh, but still, um, you know, uh, I, I could I, I would probably bet on it. You know, if, if I would think it's it's pretty likely that they part ways after this year. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it it seems like it's headed that direction anyway. But you never know. I mean, it's no. we had you know with Brett Favre, we we kept thinking you know he's retiring, he's leaving, he kept coming back, <laughs> kept coming back, kept coming back. You referenced him earlier, and I think you know I'm I'm more of a a distant observer of of you know that dynamic of Aaron Rodgers of of Brett Favre. What what is it? How do you explain the difference between those two in terms of personality and kind of what segment of the Packers fandom? is kind of team Rogers. What is team Favre and who just says, I love them both uh, a lot. Yeah, that's great. It's great. I've been thinking a lot about that. You know, Rogers is the three fingers of a, of a scotch guy after a game. And, and, you know, and, and Brett, yeah, I was thought of as more the, the 12 pack of Miller or, or bud. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you got the Mississippi guy and then you, and you got the, and you got the California cool guy. And, um, and, and Aaron holds a lot of things close to a vest. He's cryptic. Favre was always out there. Everything about, you know, his story, he was, he was telling you. And, uh, and, you, and you rode this roller coaster with him through some real lows, including drug addiction. And, uh, and you know, you, you kind of felt like you knew him. You knew the family. <laughs> you knew yeah. everybody in Kiln, Mississippi. Sure. Um, and, you know, with Aaron, it's not like that. It's um, uh, it's much more of a, of a superstar, uh, quiet superstar kind of uh, lifestyle that he leads. Um, you know, I think part of it is demographics. Um, I have two sons who are in their twenties who are huge Packer fans. Uh, I don't know why, but they are, uh, <laughs> and um, and they um, you know, I think no, of course they grew up more with Rogers than with Favre, right. but they, they love the Favre stories, but they, but they also love Rogers. They, and they're NBA guys too. And they're kind of used to the, the superstar thing more. I think the older Packer fans are the ones who tend to be a little more in the Favre camp and, 
and will always compare Rodgers unfavorably. Um, and, you know, right now it's one Super Bowl each. Right. Uh, although Brett, Brett obviously got him to two, but lost the second. Um, and, um, but good Lord, uh, Brett threw a lot more, inter- a hell of a lot more <laughs> interceptions than, than Aaron Rodgers. We, and, we are uh, both familiar uh, with the pain of a Brett Favre interception. Yes. Oh, um, oh, my God. I, you, I actually, I did feel for you that day, Mike. I'm sure. I'm sure it was the Super Bowl was right there as you, it was the, what was it? Two years before it was kind of the same scenario. It was overtime oh, for yeah. Packers against the was it Giants that year. And it was just, you know, yeah. until the, until the, until the hay is in the barn, as they say, you never know what's going to happen with Giants them. at Lambeau. Yep. Yep. Um, at that, <laughs> that brings me to um, one, one final Packers point here. Uh, Patrick Royce, our, our colleague was on the show on Monday suggesting that regard, you know, he, he didn't think, he didn't think Rogers was going to report or that if he did report, he was going to come down with some sort of mysterious uh, shoulder ailment at some point this year. So he can still get paid uh, without having to really play. But he, his, his bigger takeaway was that regardless of whether Rogers was here or not, even with Rogers on the roster, he likes the Vikings to win the NFC North. And Patrick is by no means a, uh, a homer. No. He's a contrarian. Yeah. Uh, so give him that. Yeah. What, what do you, yeah. uh, what do you think about that? Uh, boy, I'd still, I'd favor green Bay. Um, but the Vikings are the team that scares me the most as a fan for sure. Um, seen seems to me that Zimmer, you know, uh, when he has the personnel, uh, can, can handle, or at least compete really well against green Bay. Hell, he, he went in there and beat them last year. At, at Lambo without, I think he's, I think a lot of, he's gotten, gotten some tools now back for the defense. And, um, and I think Delvin cook is just outstanding. So that'd be the team I, that scares me the most, but I still, I still think I picked the pack. Um, I lean that way too, to be, uh, to yeah, be one more. Yeah, I think so. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I can't see the Bears or the Lions. So, no. um, unless Fields is something, you know, something out of this world right away. But it would be interesting if we get you look two years down the track. Are we going to have a Justin Fields, Jordan Love, Kellen Mond, uh, NFC yeah. North with then whoever the you know whoever the poor sucker is who has to play for Detroit? <laughs> it, it, but, it, uh, it could turn over completely. It could be very. It could be completely wide open in twenty twenty three and and beyond twenty twenty two even. Yeah, could be really interesting. Yeah, last few minutes. Give me a, a Badgers scouting report, uh, football wise, because that's that's of interest to. Gophers fans here too, because we've talked a lot of Gophers already on this show. Randy Johnson, we've had Chip on a few times. Sounds like the yeah. offensive line is very experienced. Um, some sixth-year guys on the Gophers line, even like a couple of seventh-year guys, I think. Which um, they might be doctors by the time they're done. But uh, what, yeah. what's up? Yeah. What's up with what's up with the Badgers this year? What should we expect from them? And is this a a year where we should expect their their run of you know excellence to continue? Or are they are they vulnerable and vulnerable in some way there? You know, I, I, it's so hard to say what last year means. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just, I just, as a fan, had a really hard time trying to figure out what we're supposed to take away from that season. And then the more I heard about it after the year was over, um, heard about coaches who were out for a month at a time, which we didn't know about at the time. 
Uh, heard about players who had pretty fairly serious COVID who were out for longer stretches than than we knew about um, because the program doesn't give out a, a ton of information. None of them do, but, but but they're particularly, I think, close to the vest. That said, um, I think they've got a good amount of talent back, um, especially defensively, lose two O-line starters, but I really think their depth and talent and that that position is just excellent right now. Usually skill player. Yeah. Skill play. Yeah, exactly. Skill players would be the, you know, the big question is the quarterback, uh, the guy you saw the first week of the season last year or, and or second week, or is he the guy you saw later on after he lost his receivers? He had COVID, he had a little shoulder injury. I don't know. You know, it was his first year starting. So, and he didn't, yeah. And, and, you know, um, so I think he's real talented. I don't know how good he's going to be. And then they don't have the, you know, they don't have the superstar running back that you're used to seeing. They've got some competent players at at that position and they brought in a transfer from Clemson who's pretty intriguing at, at running back. So, um, you know, I think they should be pretty good. Schedule's tough. It's, it's, they got a bunch of their tougher games at home, but they've got Penn State, Michigan, Iowa, um, Notre Dame at, at Chicago at Soldier Field. Um, they got Army in a non-conference game, you know, which mm-hmm. normally you'd say, you'd say, well, you know, no big deal. Well, I don't know. That's a, I wish they had a bunny that day, frankly. It's kind of right. <laughs> – that's a tough team, and they right. run that triple option and, you know – and. And, uh, and they got, you know, and they come up here for the ax game, uh, in the traditional, on the traditional date. So, uh, I think they will be pretty good, but, uh, I think the, certainly Indiana is a better program right now. Uh, and I think, you know, Minnesota's, uh, got the best, I believe the best running back in the league. Um, so, and as you pointed out, a bunch of old linemen were pretty impressive. Could be a fun year. Could be a fun year, Scott. It's going to be fun to, uh, I, the the thing you so, said about football and keeping having it be hard to track last year, especially college, that hit home hits home for me because I just had a hard time getting into college football last year. I just yeah. did. It was it was like it was there was going to be a season and there wasn't, and then there was a you know yeah. it was abbreviated and just you did, all you could worry all you could think about was uh, COVID really last year and just like what was going on and how is it you know how is it affecting the larger world and sports were kind of secondary, so it'll it will be different to to have you know, the actual competition more front and center and see what these two teams have this year. I agree. And didn't it, didn't it bug you more to see empty college stadiums yes. than empty NFL stadiums? It did it be. Did. Yep. That and yeah. college basketball were the hardest for me to yeah. watch last year, just because it was like, those rely so much more on the energy. I, I'm you know, the NFL games, it actually was watchable to me. It didn't feel mm-hmm. all that different because you're kind of used to these big, airy kind of stadiums and you know the stadium that even the shot even the the camera angles are a little bit different you don't see as much yeah. of the, so you don't see as much of the crowd i think so right the way it's framed it was a lot different to watch pro than it was to watch college last year i i, I agree so i you know let's cross our fingers and hope it really is at least close to normal uh, yes here this fall i uh, hope so too well scott gillespie our- great stuff thanks for joining daily delivery and providing your Wisconsin sports perspectives. It was the perfect time for that. We'll see how things play out in green Bay over the rest of camp and this season. And uh, maybe we'll do this again when it gets to be uh, Vikings Packers or uh, Gophers Badgers week. Sounds fun. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it very much. All right. Thanks Scott. Take care. Take care. Let's end with the cooler. 
wild free agency starts uh, starts up uh, on Wednesday. They can start signing players. I sure hope they're able to upgrade the center position again. Uh, I think I talked about general manager Bill Guerin and some of his thoughts on centers a while ago. I want to resurface another quote that he had the other day talking about the wild and their pursuit, perhaps, of upgrades at center. He said, you know, we're basically talking about a by-committee approach uh, for another season. Says, we're not afraid of that. We're very happy with the way the guys performed this year. It's all about opportunity, too. A lot of these guys got their first opportunity in a long time at center. You look at what Ryan Hartman did. That's just part of a year. He didn't even get to play a full year. What's he going to do when he starts a season like that and has a training camp like that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Ryan Hartman was very good last season. I think there is some opportunity. I think they do have some depth there. What they don't have is someone at the top of that depth chart. We talk about the Twins all the time with, you know, got plenty of middle to the bottom of the rotation guys. You don't have guys at the top, and that's what the Wild lack. They lack a true number one center, and that's not necessarily something they have to go out and get, like, right away next year, but they certainly need an upgrade. You know, Joel Erickson Eck taking a step forward was a big deal, but they need more than that. And here's the second part of that Garen quote that I still got a little trouble with. He says, Victor Rask had a good year. He was back in it. We have guys with a lot of flexibility, too, like Nick Bukestad can give us games at center. Nico Sturm can play center and wing. It's important for us right now to have guys that are versatile. Yes, I agree with that. But, again, you have to have upgrades. And I'm only going to give you one statistical piece of evidence that suggests that, and that is face-offs. They were terrible in the dot last season. 28th out of 31 teams overall in face-off percentage. 29th in defensive zone face-off percentage. They won just 45% of face-offs. And again, the margins are thin on face-offs, but the more you're giving up on that end, and that's the center's center's job, the more you're going to have trouble in your own defensive zone, give up shots, scoring chances, things like that. they got to upgrade that spot. I don't know if Jack Eichel at $10 million a year is the right to the right decision for their cap right now and the right decision for their team. But somebody needs to step forward, whether it's this year or next, um, is the is a good question. But somebody's got to step forward and fill that void because they can't keep going by this committee approach forever. That'll do it for today. Thanks for joining me on Daily Delivery. Please download this podcast, write a review, leave a rating if you would. We'll be back at it Thursday. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Have a great day.